This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. You're listening to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast from two best friends dissecting slasher movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson. And my name is B. McKenzie. Every two weeks, we will bring you a brand new episode where we dissect a slasher film from top to bottom. We will look at the movie as a whole, going over the story, the casting, music choices, go kill by kill, and then rank it on how well it succeeds as a slasher film. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ScreamingCast or by searching Keep Screaming. You can find me online at B-Not-B, that's B-E-E, not B-E-A, and Ryan at Ryan Larson. This week, we are dissecting 2006's Dark Ride, directed by Craig Singer. But first, our pop culture check-in. For new listeners, our pop culture check-in is a chance for you to get to know what we've been watching, reading, and consuming outside of our movie this week, as well as life updates. Uh, I restarted True Blood. You did it. Uh huh. I've only on the bandwagon. I've only ever seen the first season, actually, um, and oh. maybe a couple episodes. When's the church storyline? I think that's season the, two. Two, yeah, yeah. Because the first storyline is kind of like figuring out who Bill is, and also the murders happening in Bon Tom. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah. So the, yeah, I really I, like season one. The I second saw, one is like the the cult. Yeah, I saw a couple episodes of that. With. Um, I might have even seen to the end of that. I read the book, so I feel like I get it mixed up. Um, mm-hmm. I don't but, remember that happening in the books, but I only church. read. Actually, I don't know if I read the second book. I think I started it, and I was like, mm, "No, that's okay. One one of these was enough." <laughs> um, I, I just remember, read- yeah, reading the first one, and there was like a good five pages of bill in the bathtub with sookie like brushing her hair and him just describing like how much he loved to brush her hair and and like that was like such a kink for him and i probably read that too young <laughs> to be honest <laughs> yeah i read the I first a little, two i was yeah i was a little scarred and then i started the second one and i'm like ah, i don't think these are for me I'll stick to my YA romance at that point. Yeah. I could probably go back and read him now, but I was like, I mean, we were friends, but it was like early in our friendship. I was probably 17. Right. I don't um, think I was ready for a true blood level of, uh, I was a very innocent 17 year old. Let me just say that. Right. I, I will say that about the show. Holy shit, watching it. So first of all, I will say like I love, at least in the first season, just like the small town feel and it's so southern and like I you know, if you listen to the show at all, you know that's like me and B's shit. Like we love that small town mm-hmm. feeling. Um but holy shit and like I'm not a prude, but they fuck so much in that show. Like so much. And it's so Exact, like it's, always, just like it's HBO, hyper, right? Right. Yeah, it's just HBO, man. Like I, 
I don't but know. Like, call it old age or something. But I like start these shows on HBO now, and I'm like, it's this is just unnecessary. Like I get it, y'all fuck, but come on. Like especially the way Jason fucks, I'm like, bro, you're like an Olympic level athlete fucker, because uh-huh. like he's always doing all this crazy shit, and I'm like, I've done that like twice. <laughs> like and you're out here so out there i mean what i don't know maybe i'm just like minimalist when it comes to the the bedroom but like that show i'm just like this is a lot um, um yeah i, really, I, I personally do really like don't think i would enjoy his particularly uh <laughs> aggressive style of sex it's a little scary honestly it's really aggressive he's really shiny um, it's a lot of jackhammering, which, you know, if that's your thing, <laughs> I'm just not particularly impressed. <laughs> he does make it look like a sport though. And I'm not really sure if that's positive. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I was like, damn, man, like there, there's just always fucking on that show. But that being said, I do really like it. And at least the first yeah. season. There's seven. I was I shocked. I was like, there's seven seasons of this? Right. We just talked about this a few episodes ago. No. I erased it from my memory. So did you I'm watch sure all you seven? Did. No, you jump off no, after. Like... I have four. Right. Okay. Yeah. I finished at four. I think I think that's where me and True Blood end our relationship. Maybe someday, but probably not. Probably not. If you've I never get... you still can't get through One Tree Hill and you fucking love One Tree Hill. <laughs> Yeah, the first four seasons. It's a magical it's, thing. It's like good at least through six. That I mean, I watched Murray those seasons. Six. Yeah, yeah, I've watched all those seasons. I'm like almost done with One Tree Hill. I just hate the new cast so much in my soul that I can't bear to watch them whine and cry I any, like, any longer. Um, no, Jul- I like no. Julian. What? I like oh, Julian. he's fine. Yeah, I like Julian. Yeah. Um, but everyone else, I'm kind of the same with you. Especially I hate quinn Haley's sister yeah quinn and then who's her boyfriend <laughs> clay yeah oh which is funny because i love him on iZombie, but i took me a minute because i hated clay so much yeah I it almost like ruined clay. him forever like, which would have been a bummer i'm like neutral towards the zombie's great quinn is the worst um yeah but yeah forever I'm, like aughts shows i'll never finish uh so I'm watching True Blood, and then oh, I read Clown in the Cornfield by Adam. Oh, Adam, I don't know how to actually pronounce your last name. Caesar, Caesar. Um, he is a horror novelist and friends. Um, I know of his work because of our friend Aaron Dries, who's been on the podcast and is also a horror novelist. And um, I was telling the uh, the main reason I want to check it out is because it is a slasher like a uh, horror novel and. I mean, I love all horror things pretty much. I read every, like, Stephen King, Joe Hill. Um, I'll, I'll read pretty much anything. And, uh, I mean, hell, I read the first two Twi- uh, True Blood books and all the Twilight books. Um, but I was like, oh, I really want to get my hands on this because it's a slasher. And holy shit, it did not disappoint. It feels like from the get-go, it literally starts with a past trauma, flash forwards to the future, introduces us to um new cat like new cast of characters uh introduces small town backstory folklore about small town i was like wow this is hitting all of my buttons 
um, you know, they're high schoolers, big high school party out of the barn in the middle of a cornfield. I'm like, yeah, this is, uh, um, you know, this is, this is exactly what I'm looking for in a slasher. So, um, yeah, if you get a chance, if you're in the slasher, uh, book or in the slasher movies or in the horror books, uh, I cannot recommend this one highly enough. I, I read it in like a day. I blew through it because I was just hooked on it. Um, and it's been hard for me to get into stuff like that lately. So definitely something, um, definitely something to check out. Yeah, I'm excited. It's uh, not available as an audiobook, which is the only reason I haven't devoured it yet. Um, as I've discussed, it's very hard for me to physically read. <laughs> um, but I'm going to find the time and hopefully – uh, once I pop this baby out, uh, I'll have a little bit more reading time again because I'll be up in the middle of the night. Um, but realistically, I'm probably just going to be watching, re-watching TV shows like I did with Liam. But who knows? Maybe I'll be different this time. <laughs> we'll find out shortly. Yeah, I know. Um, Soon. I know. She's getting close. I don't know if I have announced on the show, but I am having a girl. Um we're very excited about that. Um, just, you know, trying to live out the true American dream over here with my little boy and little girl. I know. Wow. And your your two dogs and your cat and, and everything. I know. Look at me. My little life in suburbia. I still forget you have a cat because I'm always like, B has a cat? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it's a thing. I mean, I guess it's more like Liam has a cat. It's Liam has a cat. Yeah, let's be honest. The cat exists for our son, and that is it. If it was not for our child, we would not have a cat. Right. He's cute, but um, I'm hoping I like him more when he's not a kitten. It just—I don't know. I'm a dog person. I just love dogs. So, um, cats are fine. They're chill. Sometimes this one's sometimes chill. (laughs) Sorry to all you cat lovers out there. Um, I just don't think it's ever going to be me. Um, but I mean, we feed him, we pet him. We're not abusing him, I promise. <laughs> yeah. I just don't have this like crazy love and obsession for him like I do my dogs. It's just never going to happen. But yeah, well, speaking of vampires, I almost finished the quote unquote new Twilight book. Um, which I think, right, oh, you talked nice. about yes. a few episodes back. Um, what's it called? Like, Midnight um, Sun. There we go. That's not what I was going to say. He was like <laughs> Twilight like, Edward. <laughs> it's like Bleeding Moon, something like that. Um, wait, what's it called again? Midnight Twi- Sun. Midnight Jesus. Sun. Damn it. Now I almost called it Twilight Sun. <laughs> it like won't stick in my head for some reason. Uh, I read the twilight books i will not reread them i do really enjoy the films i will continue to rewatch those and i did rewatch those this winter and i talked about that and so i've been like digging the twilight vibes and the nostalgia really i only the only reason i didn't finish the book is because one it's fucking long as shit holy moly it's so long i do it is very big, i guess yes. I guess the Twilight books are really big, like thinking back on them, but because I physically read them and the way they're written, you can just power through them because it's not anything like intellectually challenging. 
it's a much different experience, a much slower experience to listen to an audiobook. Um, and the audiobook is fine. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. It's hard when you associate a character so much with a certain actor. It's really hard to then hear a different actor speaking as them, especially mm. so close. I mean, it'd be one thing if I'd seen this actor play this character in like a reboot or something. I could probably get on board. But because my only experience with Edward is um, Robert Pattinson. And, you know, for some reason he decided not to narrate the audiobook. Rude <laughs> on his part. I wonder why. <laughs> because he doesn't like totally hate that franchise and everything about it. <laughs> Can you imagine um, if he had and how like boring like bored and lackadaisical he would be it's <laughs> like it's just a much different performance even from the like voice actor who um i don't know but anywho it's fine uh it just took me a bit to get used to like associating him with uh edward i will say i wish that the books were written from edward's perspective in the first place because way better yep um i don't I'll preface that by saying I haven't read Twilight in 10 plus years. I just remember getting annoyed often by the narration of Bella. Mm -hmm. I find it much more interesting and much more erotic where I'm actually like into their relationship from Edward's perspective. Um, I'm like, oh, okay. Like I'm like way more into this like – them being together i've always been team jacob but now after listening to edward's perspective i'm like well they i mean they really are meant to be together like it is <laughs> destiny <laughs> yes i love it and no, i just i i thought the book was you know what i got it because i was like well i'm i you know like i read the first three i need mm. to read this one um i ended up liking it though because i mean i got to the main reason is like I got to find out more vampire shit, and like yeah. that's the it's stuff way more I like. About, like their history and like the lore, and mm-hmm. which obviously, as horror fans, that's what we're into. I love vampires. Vampires are fucking awesome. That trend can continue and or come back. Um, oh yeah, I'd be fine with that. I know. I would love another vampire werewolf boom. Like mm-hmm. that was that was great when we were getting Twilight and all the knockoffs. That's why we got the Teen Wolf TV show. Like, and I'll never complain and about that. Vampire Diaries, mm-hmm. and then True Blood was super popular. Like, yep. there's getting so much like vampire, and which then always turns into supernatural. Right? We always get like these other mythical and supernatural creatures, which is so fun. Um, and I love that. And I mean, probably heavily dosed to that boom came like in my young adult time period, you know, where you're absorbing media like that. But so I have a particular soft spot for it, but I love it and would love some more like stuff like that. I'm really enjoying Nancy Drew and I. Mm it's like filling that super so it's gone i don't know if i mentioned that i know i talked about it when it first came on um it is full-blown supernatural so they tease it in the first episode and then it's really just like no for sure she's actually dealing with real ghosts real supernatural beings season two's airing right now it's got it was renewed for a third season so no need to be gun shy it's gonna be on watch it it's on the cw app um, you can watch it online. 
I think the first season's probably on Netflix or something. I watch it on Hulu, but it's also on HBO. It's really good. Oh, okay. So yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, if you have HBO, uh, HBO Max, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I highly recommend that. If speaking of supernatural, uh, TV shows, uh, I'm really enjoying it. It's doesn't quite hit all the notes, but it it's. It's interesting because it's like a teen. They're they're not teens. They're not in high school. They are young adults. They're working. Um, but and there is some romance, but it really doesn't focus on that at all. It it's legitimately like Nancy Drew, like Scooby Doo in the gang type yeah. mystery solving. Um, that's the focus of it. Is Nancy and her friends. Uh, solving these mysteries in their little town of Horseshoe Bay. Uh, so that's a focus. It's definitely not there for sort of the relationships between the characters. That's obviously a factor, but that's not why you, why you watch it. Right. Um, so, yeah, but I am enjoying that. It's like five episodes, I think, to into the new season. Um, so that's nice. And who, who's um, the dad again when we were watching? I forgot. We're like, no, oh, it's that not- guy. It's her dad. Not the dad. No. No? Well, I don't think so. The guy I think you're talking about is a guy from Motocross, and then he's also in the movie that we just covered last week, Lover's Lane. Um, He is a a Nancy Drew. He plays a, like, billionaire douchebag. Yes, I know. I know. No, but I am talking about her dad. Her dad is, um, what's his name? Scott Wolf from Party of Five. Oh well, yeah. I thought you were talking about because we had the, we just talked about him in the last episode. Oh yeah, yeah, no. Um, yeah, I was thinking of Scott. I always just love seeing our old teen drama people come into like new teen drama stuff as adults. <laughs> so uh, that's always fun. Yeah. Um, I've got around to watching the Craft Legacy, um, which is the new Craft movie. It is like a sequel reboot um takes place in like the same universe and after uh the original craft directed by zoe lister jones who i know as an actress she plays fawn moscato and new girl um which is like one of my favorite fictional characters she's also in a show called life in pieces that i really loved um but she's been directing a lot more i think she has something at or she had something at sundance again this year um Mm -hmm. yeah uh, but always exciting to see a female director in horror. Um, this was a Blumhouse film. Uh, if you hadn't heard of it, I, you know, I'd heard like a lot of sort of mixed things, mostly negative about it. Um, and so I just kind of went in with a, I want to like this, but who knows? Um, and I ended up watching it twice because I wasn't super paying attention the first time I watched it. And then I was like, no, I really want to focus on this. And I watched it a second time. And I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't love it. It was for sure flawed and uh, for sure gets muddled with like too many directions. I'm not sure if it – what that was due to. Um whether it was like script rewrites or things getting taken out, like a lot of cuts or what, but it definitely seemed like they started to develop storylines with characters and then it just never got picked back up again. 
easily my biggest complaint about the film is it feels like a little lost and a little hard to get to know uh, some of the cast. I loved what they did um, with the group of women. Um, It's very, very, very different from the original. um, And it has a much more like modern perspective on female friendship which i really appreciate um so as we've discussed before sometimes going back to these 80s and 90s and aughts movies it's so volatile between these women who are supposed to be friends uh and that's not how real friends act i've never had real friendships like that and so it's super hard to watch and see and and i've never loved it because i those relationships are a representation of, you know, what girls grow up seeing and expecting from friendships is in our media. And obviously, if you know somebody's being mean to you, that's not good. But if you're only being shown movies and TV shows where it's like, well, like your best friend might be mean to you and you just have to deal with it because X, Y, and Z. Um, and they don't really do that in this movie, um, and I really like that. So, like, without spoiling too much of the changes they make, um, they change a lot. I think it was all for the positive. It's a super fun tie-in to the original, um, and, yeah, I liked it. I definitely thought it was uh, worthy of I, – I don't know. I rented it for, like, 7 bucks or whatever it cost. Um, I don't regret it. Yeah, I really liked it too, and I agree with all of the things you said. Like, I think, I think the biggest flaw I had, right, was it gives us this super dope, like, very diverse cast, and then we only spend time with our main character, who mm-hmm. also happens to be like, you know, a cis, like, hetero white female. <laughs> and I was like, mm-hmm. oh man, you guys gave us all these awesome characters, and then you spent no time with any of the diverse cast. Um, yeah, but like, it seemed like weirdly like we'd start to get to know them and then mm. like it'd stop and like i say i feel like there was some something going on behind the scenes that caused that and like then affected the quality of the film because it um i can't imagine that was and zoe wrote it as well she wrote and directed it um and so maybe it's just a newcomer thing um who knows um but something felt like it was going on where yeah exactly it's like we get teased these characters, but we never really get to dive into who they are. Yeah. I almost felt like when I watch, I'm the same as you. I liked it. Didn't love it. Um, totally recognize it's also not made for my generation necessarily. It's a very much a Gen Z flick. So there, I'm sure there are things they enjoy even more than I do because I don't look at them through that perspective or lens. Um, but like for me, I was like, oh, I really like that. It felt like a TV pilot, like a, like you know when mm-hmm. they do an hour and a half long special for a TV pilot like to like build a universe. Yeah, yeah, it totally feels like world building. Like we touch on characters that we're going to get to know more. Um, you know, like different, like kind of different things like that. So it definitely felt like um like a TV pilot, and that's not an insult. Like that for a long time, I've seen that like used as an insult. Like oh, it feels like a TV pilot. Uh, I love television. Television pilots are basically like mini movies. So um it's not a knock at all and so i yeah i I agree with you though i I liked it i think it's worth i definitely think it's worth checking out so yeah um yeah so it's kind of the gist of what we got into um 
And now we get to talk about a little little aughts gem. Speaking of the aughts, uh, Dark Ride from 2006, um, which is about a group of six friends on a road trip stop off at an amusement park attraction named Dark Ride, unaware that a psychopath who brutally murdered two girls has just escaped a mental institution and is seeking refuge there. Yeah, that nailed it. Actually, that's like yeah. the actual plot. Sometimes I never know what these uh, where you wherever you grab them from. So it's always kind of a game it's questionable. Work. Yeah, um, it came out November seventeenth, two thousand six, um, and this was part of the After Dark Horror Fest, uh, which they branded their releases on video as Eight Films to Die For. Um, the Horror Fest started in 2006 and ran into uh, 2015. So I definitely remember in my like high school video store days, like picking out, like uh, it was almost like now when you, you know, we're obviously very familiar with Blumhouse. So like I can trust that a Blumhouse is going to be, a, you know, a well-produced film. And you can kind of know what to expect where if I see Blum's name on it, for me as a horror fan, I go like, okay, well, that's at least I know like what level it's going to be. I used to see those After Dark ones and be like, okay, like same thing. It took some of the guesswork out of it. I'd be like, I'm probably going to be into this or like Mm -hmm. this is going to be like a certain level of production that, you know, I'm not picking up some – Especially in the video store. I mean, in the prime days too, but you're less likely to pick these movies when you're cycling through streaming. And the video store, you'd pick something up thinking you were getting something else. And, oh man, you'd take it home like, oh, cool, cool. This was filmed on a home video recording yep. system. Um, it's kind of a shame I miss like – Again, you know, we all reminisce about the days of the video store. So there's a video store down the street from me that I found. Uh, it's called Cinephile. Wait, currently? Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. It's called Cinephile. They do rentals for $1 a day. Um, and that's it. And they have a very large horror selection. Um, they just started carrying Arrow, Vinegar Syndrome, Criterion, like some like of the boutique label stuff. Um, but I went in and I was just browsing. And it's pretty great being able to look at these dvds again um and see movies that i know what the quality is and looking at the dvd and going damn this looks it looks so much better than it actually yeah. is um and like, like it's man, a, there's a great marketing team behind mm-hmm. that film <laughs> and it's a weird nostalgia to miss that because you know like mm-hmm. there is it, it's nice to be able to go on on prime and watch the trailer and go yep not gonna watch that uh but i'm like for a dollar for a dollar a rental, I'm like, I can waste, I can waste some bucks on these. So I'll, uh-huh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back next week and, and try to pick up uh, just a couple like things I've never seen before. That's super awesome. Yeah, in no, LA, it's really, I guess. Right, exactly. Um, so this was filmed in October, uh, in November of 2004. Came out like B mentioned two years earlier. Uh, no clue on the budget uh, or the box office. I mean, it, these movies were straight to DVD. Um, that yeah. was. I mean, it, it premiered at After Dark Horror Fest, so right. it, it was a festival film that they yeah. they produced. Yeah, this whole brand was straight to DVD, and um, mm-hmm. like you said, I even remember it was this and the Masters of Horror. Those two little, I was like, I could grab either of those and little like, banners. Okay, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, I know what I'm getting into here. 
So speaking uh, of that, did you see this in its original video store run? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 06, that's my prime. That's the year I graduated. You were a senior, yeah. <gasps> uh, I mean, at that point, <laughs> I had already been graduated. I graduated June of that year. So, But oh, this yeah, is like true. definitely primo. I'm making money, have nothing, no bills suspended on, like, and literally not doing anything but hanging out with my friends Uh every second of the day that i'm not at work so yeah. uh this was one of those late night you know five for five rentals a hundred percent yes yeah i think it was just i i mean i don't think so i think i would have remembered or had like some vague remembrance i mean it's possible i watched it but uh it didn't make an impression it didn't make enough of an impression <laughs> that i remembered it but I, I i don't think so i remember watching other things that after dark put out mm-hmm. um for sure because i specifically as soon as i saw after dark I, like a wave of nostalgia hit me um but I, I don't think this is one that i caught i mean i would have caught it later for sure i was in seventh or eighth grade when it came out so <laughs> Eighth grade, I think. Yeah. Um, and I was just – this is this is the year I was really just starting to get into horror. Um, I'd always been, like, exposed to it through my mom. Um, she loved, loved, loved thrillers and true crime and some horror movies. Um, and, you know, I think eighth grade, when you turn, like, 13, 14, is when your parents start to – at least my mom started to loosen up a little bit. And I basically just started renting – any horror I could and this is when like the remakes were all coming out and it really like the ring was massive like all Mm -hmm. it was like that time period like Texas and the ring those are the movies that sort of like got me into horror so this was a little early for me to have caught right when it came out I um sometimes I look back and wonder I'm like what my parents think of like I wonder if they ever looked at me and were like, how the fuck did you get into horror? Because my mom is not a horror. I, my mom and dad put together, because so they were different households, put together, I could say, honestly, I've probably watched a horror movie. I've probably watched maybe 10 movies total that are horror genre with the both of them. Um, it was, And they both were like, my mom was fine with us renting movies. Um, and my dad was an avid movie goer. We went to the movies all the time because my dad got me on weekends and it was almost guaranteed Saturday night movies, like no matter what. Um, so, I, but like horror was not in either of their peripherals. And so I just, you know, kind of found that all on my own and probably through friends at school. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I just always think it's funny. Like, I wonder if they ever, I remember I made my mom watch The Ring and she like liked it because The Ring is very like cerebral you know you're trying to figure out Mm -hmm. the mystery the murder mystery of this little girl but also I remember when the movie was over I was like mom did you like it and she's like yeah but like I don't know how you got into these movies (laughs) (laughs) and I was like yeah I don't either but I'm glad you liked it yeah that is funny I mean as long as you're given access right and Mm-hmm. Our generation, at least, has in the generation before us, has always had cable to get us into horror. Um, and that doesn't really, I mean, 
I don't know, people can stream, but I don't think it's a, it's not that same experience, right? You're not just going to randomly watch something in a genre that you've never really watched before. We did it because it was 11 o'clock at night and it was either watching a edited version of Halloween, you know, six, or it was an infomercial. Like those were our <laughs> options. And yep. that's like, you know, that's how you like got into shit like that. Um, and yeah, for me, I mean, my mom definitely – I'm pretty sure – I'll have to ask her and see if she remembers. I'm pretty sure with The Ring – because what was that, 2000 – was that 2006, 2007? The Ring was 2004 or three. I was in seventh grade. What? Eighth grade. Was maybe. it really? I was – yeah, because I went and saw it with Jake Shields. I still remember that exact night. Went and saw it with Jake Shields, went home to his house. We were too afraid to fall asleep. Yeah, it was 2002. Yeah, moly. we played Grand Theft Auto Vice City all night long. <laughs> so – yeah, I don't think I watched it that young because I would have only been 10. I watched it maybe though. All I remember, I'm pretty positive my mom watched it first. That's what she would usually do. If I showed interest in something, she'd watch it first and then decide if she thought it was something that was appropriate for me to watch. Um, I guess she thought the ring was appropriate. Uh, she was wrong fucking scarred me for life no but i yeah that makes more sense that i was a little bit younger um because it was definitely like one that still scared like the living shit out of me um that wouldn't have probably scared me as much a little bit older on but who knows probably probably still that movie's terrifying yeah that movie's still scary um we tangented. Uh, this movie has uh, no <laughs> critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, but an audience score of 29%. I should go and write a review for it. Uh, that's what I always think when I'm like, oh, there's like no critic, or, like, critic score. Oh, yeah, think- because then then you'd have one. I was like, so you can add to the audience? I forget Ryan's official. Yeah. He's a tomato, tomato certified I critic. Am. I am. It's one of the only cool things about me. <laughs> Um, claim to fame. What what do you think of this uh, poster here, Babs? Oh man. Okay. Uh, so the posters for this film. Um, I'll post this per usual. If you go to our website, um, you'll see the poster I'm talking about. Uh, when we list out like the list or the uh, post itself with all of our info. Um, that's at keepscreaming.com. Also posted on Twitter. So you can get know which one I'm talking about because there are for sure a few versions. Uh, this is uh, the version where it's a doll's head that is broken, like a ceramic doll's head that's broken. And uh, there's like fake eyes, like real eyes photoshopped into it for sure. Uh, and it's being like stabbed through with a giant butcher's knife covered in blood. Um, the very top is the tagline, will you survive the right of your life? Brings you down to the image I just described. Um, uh, then it has, uh, Jamie Lynn's name on it, which I thought it weirdly looks like her last name on here is different on the poster. Her name is Jamie Lynn Sigler, but it looks like on the poster it says Descala. I wonder if she, did she get married and change it? I don't know if she changed it or what. But anywho, she's definitely the big name in this. Um, 
she's from uh like uh sopranos fame and mm-hmm. so they were definitely banking off of that uh then we've got our title treatment dark ride uh, which is in an all-cap serif, very uh, common for horror films. It's got like a weird motion blur effect to it um, that I assume the the thought process behind that was to give it the impression of movement. Right, or like that a ride, it, I guess. It, yeah, like a ride, but it, it gives more of like a car at night kind of like – rushing by kind of vibe that's what it looks Mm -hmm. like and then your typical film jargon all at the bottom it's a cool image uh it could all be i think all of these elements just messing with the hierarchy would really do a lot and what i mean by that is it's all really big and taking up a lot of space and it's a little hard to know where to look. And I think if they gave certain things less importance and made them smaller, uh, it'd be a lot more successful. Uh, but image-wise, it's really creepy. The baby head is so big. Like the doll head. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah, the but look how big the I knife is. Yeah, I know, the but like is... the, the head is so big, I don't even look at the knife because the knife is like obscured. So I'm yeah. like... But if you That's think my... about it, in comparison to the knife, the doll head's really small because knives really aren't that big. So you see, if there's a doll head on a knife, it's going to be right. a really small doll But this doll makes head. it look like it's a giant doll head. No, that's what I'm saying. So perspective yeah. here is really strange in the way they've, like, because it's photoshopped together. Right. Um, where, yeah, it's just a little confusing. Like I said, definitely adjusting the sizes on everything, the image and the title would have definitely helped. But yeah, you just get lost in the eyes of this doll. Um, I'm gonna, it's got I'm some gonna solid put this for you. Solid, oh God, no! <laughs> put it in. Uh, I will never put it in your room. Oh my God, I'll never bring another girl home ever again. <laughs> um, she'll like walk into my room and be like, "Okay, well, it was nice to meet you." Um, taglines for this I actually like because they're pretty well themed um, the last ride you'll ever take um, the one on the poster as we mentioned will you survive the ride of your life uh, we saved a seat for you I actually for some reason like that one the most mm-hmm, um, I like that one a lot and then well Jonas I think C, it really ties it yeah uh, Jonas C. Jonah do his last one yeah I think that we saved a seat for you also ties really well into like the theater experience and mm-hmm. so you kind of get that, like, if you're looking at a movie poster, sure, we think of, we, me and you, think of seeing it, like, in a video store and grabbing it. Like, that's kind of where our first thought goes to. But really, those posters are used to stick on the outside of movie theaters and hope people go buy tickets for this movie. Right. Um, and so, especially at this time, so I love that we saved a seat for you because – right there is just a tag to just get you to buy tickets for it at the theater, which I think is really cool. And then obviously right. it ties heavily in with the, the film itself. Right. And I think I kind of like it too, because like the other two make it sound like more like a thrill ride and being mm-hmm. a, like a big fan of dark rides. Like we saved a seat for you, even though like I know there are seats and roller coasters for some reason that it's like 
kind of more mellow than like the last ride you'll ever take and will you survive the ride of your life it's like we saved the seat for you like i think of like a dark ride ride where i'm like in the seats going through the ride um yeah the first two sound more like a final destination three like roller coaster-esque type big time slasher um there are no sequels i mean there could be one if they wanted to for sure um it definitely sets up for one um, our director, Craig Singer, is known for A Good Night to Die from 2003, Perkins 14 in 2009, and Animal Room in 1995. I've and then, never heard of any of those. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not familiar with his work. Um, and then we have a writing duo, uh, Sergio Martino and Robert Dean Klein. Um, Sergio Martino, I don't believe, had, it, uh, had any other credits. Um, Robert Dean Klein worked also did A Good Night to Die with Craig Singer in 2003. And then he has gone on to just be crazy successful by doing the Wrong series um, that star Vivica A. Fox on on Lifetime. There's so many of them, like one a year. And, I I mean, they seem insanely – I don't know anything about them, but they seem insanely popular. The Wrong Mommy, The Wrong Teacher, The Wrong Man, The Wrong Neighbor – the wrong Mr. Right, the wrong Valentine. Wow. Um, yeah, and I think they're just all themed like lifetime movies. Uh, I would love to know if anybody's watched these because wow, I'm kind of curious. But he's written lot. all of them, which is awesome. Good for him. Way to make a living. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, our score is by Jared Lee Goslin, who did other movies that are not in line with this at all. Um, yeah. Did like action thriller, deja vu, and then also uh-huh. Shark Tale and Shrek the Third. Yeah. Interesting. That's a definitely wild like 180 trajectory from here. I think all those would be after uh, Shark Tale is probably before this. Deja vu. Yeah, around the same time. Shark Tale, I think, is like, yeah, 2004 in this range. Yeah. Uh, and then our cinematographer is Vincent E. Toto, who did camera system work on Predator 2 and visual effects for Mortal Kombat. I'm assuming the first Mortal Kombat, not the new remake. Yes, Ryan. Okay. I Well, I don't know. It could have been. And I'd be like, wow, that's really – it's really cool either way. But I could be like, oh, he's still working. That's dope. Or like, oh, he did this awesome movie that I love from my childhood. Yeah. Big, big news that Mortal Kombat – uh i mean i'm really excited about it uh there was a kill in it that looked dope as f i have zero interest freezing the Uh knife yeah yeah that was hella cool yeah Yeah, i I don't have any nostalgia i've never seen mortal kombat um you'll watch it because you have my hbo login and you watch it for free oh no we'll watch the new one i mean it looks cool um and i like ridiculous action films for sure uh, which it definitely looks like one, but mm-hmm. it's just funny. Like I underestimated the nostalgia and the internet like went wild. Oh yeah. It became the most viewed trailer ever. Yeah. Even my husband was like, oh yeah, did you hear about Mortal Kombat? I'm like, yes. And he's like, well, I don't know. I'm like, trust me. My Twitter's not just horror. It was a lot of Mortal Kombat today. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I can't stop hearing about Mortal yeah. Kombat. Um, um, our you editor, editor, look at that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sam Bauer edited Donnie Darko, <sighs> one of our favorite movies. Love, love, love. Absolutely love that movie. 
um, Southland Tales, uh, The Box, which I, with Cameron Diaz, that I actually really like that movie. So he did all of Richard Kelly's movies. All of that's what? All th- Richard Kelly. That's all three of his movies. Oh, is right that there. all three? Well, there yep. we go. That's everything he's ever done, which is a damn shame. Um, that is a damn shame. I like all those movies. I do too. Uh, I really think he'll get back into directing because. Um, I mean, Darko's always had the cult classic claim, but like Southland Tales has really started to get their resurgence too. Um, so I think I think we will get a Richard Kill- Kelly something again. But uh, he wants yeah, to. But yeah, if he wants, I think he does too. Um, but that's one hell of a lineup there. Ugh, I love Donnie Darko. Fun fun fact, uh, listeners. Um, B and I bought oh. S Darko from her work um because she she was like she could order stuff and they carried very limited amount of like dvds but she saw it and was like i'm gonna order it so we can get it so we bought it we split it we brought it to her house we fell asleep watching it (laughs) because it was so bad and it's funny too because if you look at the cast all those cast members were like prime people uh speaking of two things we've already talked about today like jackson rathbone from twilight um davy chase from the ring yeah, we had oh, a lot of things we talked about. Uh, what is his James Lafferty from One Tree Hill? Oh, yeah. um, it was like, Girl. yeah, it was prime, prime cast. Literally everything in me and Ryan ever dreamed about. All of our favorite CW stars together in a Donnie Darko sequel. Yeah. We shall not so speak of it. That's our story. That's our story. We both <laughs> fell asleep on my bed. Yes. <laughs> I think twice. I'm pretty sure oh, we tried yeah. again and fell oh, asleep. We did. Yeah. I've still never seen the whole thing. No, me either. Um, another fun fact about Donnie Darko is uh, Drew Barrymore's production company that uh, started and that's the first film they produced. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Good for her. Yeah. She, what a hell, she that's created, a hell of a movie. Yeah, she created a production company. That's why she has like a small role in it. She created a production company to take grab roles that she they wouldn't give her. Um, and so she's like, well, fine. I'll start making movies. Uh, she started that with uh, Jimmy Fallon's wife, Nancy. I'm forgetting her last name at the moment. Uh, but they were really good friends, created that company together, and – yeah, she did Donnie Darko, which nobody would have ever let her be in before. Like, that's just not something they w- she would have been offered at that point in her career. Right. So she's like, screw you. The script's awesome. I'm going to produce it, and I'll put myself in it. She's so great. Drew Barrymore's the best. Mm-hmm. Love her forever. I loved watching her birthday stuff the other day. That was fantastic. Oh, yeah. fucking sobbed when Spielberg came out, and she's like the first person who ever cared about me, and I'm like, oh my god. Ugh. She is a gift to this world, and any, I mean, anybody who's listening obviously has an interest in films. Drew Barrymore's in Scream, but besides that, you probably don't have a huge, you might not have a huge interest or knowledge of her career if you don't heavily overlap into romantic comedies. Her book, though, is really, really quite wonderful story just about not it's about her life and her career for sure, but really just about being yourself and sort of the journey of like coming out of trauma and just trying to be a happy person. And it's a really, really beautiful book. So I definitely recommend it. She is the best. She is the best. Um, 
as we mentioned, cast. we have uh, yeah, our cast here. We have Jamie Lynn Sigler, who is our final girl, um, quote unquote. I think we uh, get quite a few characters at the end of this, don't we? Yeah, she. Yeah, yeah we'll get into that. Um, but uh, as Kathy, she was in The Sopranos. Um, David Warden as Jonah, who starred in 2010's On Holiday, Black Bell, Everything Will Happen Before You Die. Uh, Patrick Renna as Bill. He is very, very, like, most well-known um, for being uh, Ham in The Sandlot. And he was also in uh, The Big Green from that same era. Mm-hmm. Um, Which Jennifer- was my childhood jam. Oh, I love. I just rewatched Big Green the other day, actually. Um, I I still went with uh, what's his name, Bug Hall from uh, Little Rascals in it. Yeah, it pops up all the time because I always type in Big into Disney Plus for Big Hero Six because that's mm-hmm. Liam's jam right now, and Big Green always pops up. And you're like, not today, Big Green, but I'm yeah. coming. Um, coming for you, <laughs> Jennifer Tisdale, Liz, who is Ashley Tisdale's sister, was in The House Bunny, was in Bring It On, In It to Win It. Um, David Clayton Rogers as Steve, who has gone on to be in a ton of television, uh, Ghost Whisperer, Cougar Town, Grimm, Jane by Design, Nashville. Um, do you know any of the roles? You watch those shows more than me. Do you like? Do you remember um, him yeah, any I mean, of those? No. No, just like bit roles, um, probably. Yeah, I don't remember any of his characters. Gotcha. I was, I was like, well, I had like three of those shows I know be watching. I didn't so. Um, I think he had he was on like a few episodes of Nashville. Um, I don't know. There's so many characters in that show. I think Jane by Design. He I haven't. That's the only one I haven't seen. I think he had a bigger role on that one. Gotcha. Um, Alex Solowitz is Jim, who is an alpha dog and never been kissed. Another Drew Barrymore movie. Bringing yes, up that is what I instantly recognized him from. I was like, oh my god, he plays. Uh, jessica alba's like date to the prom he's like one of like the dumb jocks and never been kissed but uh, he's like off often like running around with like the popular kids uh and i mean you just don't really forget what this guy looks like <laughs> he's like yeah. has a very specific look to him and if you type in his name and never been kissed if you've seen the movie you definitely like oh okay yeah. That's what I know. That's what you know him from. Like, you think you're like, oh, yeah, he's like from the 90s, right? And then it's no, really, it's just from that movie you remember him. Um, yes. Uh, he, like, very much in my head, even when I see him, I'm like, he is like the dumb jock character. Uh, Andrea Bogart as Jen, who was in General Hospital and even in <laughs> Lifetime's Cheer Camp Killer from 2020. So that's fun. Um,. And then Brittany Coyle and Chelsea Coyle as Colleen and Samantha, who are basically, yep. like, there are two girls, like, right at the beginning of the movie. Um, the cousins. Us, yeah, the cousins that, like, bring us into it. I gotta look up this cheer camp killer movie now. <laughs> so the cheerleader camp remake, what are we looking at here? Um, That's probably some true crime-like thing. Oh, it's a lot of those. Yeah, it's not like a slasher or anything. A woman and her daughter hatch a devious scheme to get rid of a new rival at cheerleading. Yeah. Darn, I was hoping for like lifetime slasher movie. No, most of them are like the whole devious, like could have actually happened in real life kind of thing. That's true. Um, our genre here is very much like teen scream, um, mm-hmm. like a hundred percent, like straight up a teen scream movie. Oh, 
and our killer. I know. So we don't really know much about our killers. Our killer is Jonah. And- yeah. <coughs> Bless you. <coughs> oh, good Lord. Bless you. Oh, allergies are here. Um, We basically just find out that he is a psychopath who I believe he's the one who killed the twins in the beginning. Yes. And that's why he, yeah. So he got locked up. Um, and he's been in this like mental, mental institute, uh, this whole time he escapes and goes back into the dark ride. And that's where he runs into our cast of, uh, killable teens. Yeah. Uh, there, he's like, that's it. Most generic slasher mm-hmm. villain you could have. Like mm-hmm. he is the archetype of like when they're. When they're making fun of, like, Jason and Michael in, um, like, movies or, like, cartoons, what they're actually making fun is this archetype of, like, you know, silent, brooding killer who wears a mask and kills teens. Um, Right. Because obviously we know much more about Michael and Jason than just, like, it's some guy who kills teens because he hates sex. Um, Right. But, like, that's the the stereotype that's evolved from it. And Jonah kind of perpetuates that stereotype. Correct. Yeah. Um, we're not given any kind of history, backstory, information, motive, ties, anything like that. We get a um, small he's just, tie at the end. Teen yes. Yeah. He's just a crazy person. Yep. Who likes to kill people. Um, yeah. He doesn't really have an iconic weapon. Uh, I mean, again, pulling from the slate of basic slasher description, he kills with bladed things yep yeah if it has a blade he uses it yeah um, his, his so- like i guess the iconic thing he kind of does is like there's not it's not like he's using the ride to kill people but he uses he's- the ride to play the other teams. Yeah, yeah 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 he uses the ride to then show off what he's done mm-hmm. um yeah so um yeah he doesn't have that iconic weapon and then our final girl is kathy but it we're, we run into that kind of problem that we've run into before with some of these um horror movies um which often uh, unfortunately even though it's our favorite one of our favorite decades for it seemed to be the odds a lot odds. of the times yeah um where they kind of just are the person who survives until the end um, so kathy kind of has yeah this weird arc where they they tease us where we th- we really think like she's kind of ends up being the bad guy and we think maybe our um our final girl is going to switch to be like a final boy and switch to be her you know her ex-boyfriend uh and Steven like that's that's what it seems like like he ends up being the one in a typical like final girl boy situation where they're kind of left victimized by their friends and like kind of left um as an outsider because they're not quite going along with the same pranks or emotions and that's kathy sets up this like huge prank to get back at him and that's all very slasher like so it very much felt like we were gonna shift to steven being like our final boy and instead it's just like no, we've just made Kathy absolutely irredeemable, um, 
and she's still going to be the one who survives at the end. So I wouldn't consider her a final girl whatsoever. She's just the one who ends up alive at the end. Yep. Absolutely. Which is, uh, again, something we see a lot more in this era than... Mm-hmm. And in this, like, budget scale. Mm-hmm. Yes, And, like, the, yeah. the indie aughts movies tend to just take, yeah, sort of, like, the the idea of these tropes, but don't necessarily, like, hammer them home as well as, you know, movies like Urban Legend do where they they take them and then they're like, no, no, no. Like, we're going to do this correctly. Right. Um, yeah, so this movie uh, takes place in New Jersey. Um, like, the whole, our whole setup is two twins, Sam and, the, Sam and Colleen. They break into um, the mysterious dark ride, uh, as it's titled. And so for those of you not familiar to a dark ride, um, just like a little background on what a dark ride is. Um, if you are familiar with like any sort of um disneyland uh fantasy land attraction so alice in wonderland peter pan any ride where it's self-contained within a building um and you go through that way that's why it's called a dark ride because you're like in the building in the dark um so they were like um very popularized um at like boardwalks and carnivals and stuff like that uh that's most of the haunted houses you see there are dark rides um and then disneyland took that and like added their own spin to it obviously but um this dark ride is actually called dark ride uh it's not like inferring they're on a dark ride the ride itself is actually called dark ride um but they uh break in and they're like kind of like messing around in there um at this point it's still like an actively used ride and um they're killed um like the killer shows up that's when jonah shows up and he kills both of them um sam he slices her stomach open um and then um colleen is gutted with a scythe and uh that's like our then that's our like back uh or flashback essentially um before yeah, we go flash forward then we go do we remember how far a flash forward is it's 10 years so yeah, so we flash forward ten years. We meet this like group of college kids, um, and it it really is kind of like nonsensical whatever ties they're trying to create between these characters. It's like two of them were dating, and like now it's like oh, but we're gonna go back on this trip, and like if the other one seems interested, like we will get back together. Like we'll just see, but they don't ever really explain like why they weren't together. It just all seems like, all right, let's just try and figure out how to get these, like, four people together in a van to go on a road trip. Um, It's, like, the friend and then the roommate. and And then they also randomly pick up a hitchhiker for, like, no real reason. Um, She's hot. Yeah, it's weird because, like, it's so different than, like, a movie in the 80s where you pick up a hitchhiker and that hitchhiker becomes, like if you're familiar with cabin in the woods terms because i just rewatched it kind of like the harbinger you know or yeah. like the person that leads them to their doom like this mm-hmm. this hitchhiker literally just shows up to be an extra like attractive person on set yeah. um for the men to catcall and be gross about mm-hmm. and by the way this is prime show. prime era for like just 
nothing is going to be like anything that would be acceptable in 2021. No, no, you cannot. <laughs> yeah, you cannot put a 2021 glasses on this film. That's no. for sure. Yeah. Um, it's all a little like icky and inappropriate and very the norm for for this this genre for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so yeah, they they're in the car where where they're going on spring break, right? Yep. Yeah. And so then they like find this flyer in the car and like, oh, the dark ride. Then they tell the urban legend of the dark ride. We got to do it. It'll be fun. Let's go find it. So they decide to uh, like go find it. They pick up this hitchhiker. She like tells some creepy story about like her experience it her experience hitchhiking, which I think is supposed to like build tension and dread and it doesn't really work. Um, but they decide to take shrooms. Um oh well God, a few of them. Yeah. I forgot about that entire like, like plot. <laughs> The hitchhiker and then uh oh my god, I'm not gonna remember any of their names. Uh, uh the blonde Jim, kid. Right? Jim. Yeah. Uh take shrooms and he's like driving and he's like then starts like tripping while he's driving. <sighs> I'm like, oh my god, this fucking movie. Um, and then they arrive at the dark ride. There's like a security guard there. And we're like, wait for him to leave. And then they're like, okay, cool. Like, we've got this ride to ourselves. Right. And their whole thing is they're going to stay the night there since they're like right. on a road trip anyways. And they're going to And they're the going to quote somewhere. unquote save money. Um, yeah. We, f- we find out uh, shortly that this is like a plot point uh, for, uh... oh my God, their names. Kathy to prank Steven. Um, it was like always in the plan to cut. Co- There's like a few, apparently a few people were in on this. Like, so the, our first twist was that Kathy, they all knew they were coming here because Kathy was going to prank Steven. And then mm-hmm. at the very end, we get a, a d- different reason for why they're there. Um, so sort of always in the cards that they were going to end up at this dark ride that Jonah is now inhabiting. Right. And they don't know that Jonah is there. Um, we know that Jonah has escaped the mental institution that he's been in and has killed um, two orderlies, which I believe we see, right? Yeah. So we see that orderlies get killed. It's actually a pretty cool kill. Um, it, it's just playing up, again, the, like, Michael Myers, like, I'm giant, um, like, crazy person. He... Uh, kills the first guy and and of course these orderlies are super abusive super fucked up like you want to see them die uh the first one like he punches through his stomach with a flashlight and then he pulls his hand out and then like the camera pans and you just like see the hole that's been left in the attendant's body and then the other attendant who's like the big asshole uh like uh freaks out and is like oh my god and he's just like mangled and jonah escapes <laughs> he punches like you know did did you did you include that segment with ben on our one episode right you actually included uh-huh. it. kill busters okay. yeah yeah okay kill busters can you punch a hole through a man's stomach i need to know this is ben's next kill busters all right i need to because so I'm stay truly... tuned. We'll have we'll have Ben answer that at the end of the episode. Yeah, because that this, is something... I mean, this is valid. This is one we need to know. 
A hundred percent. I can take a yes. guess of what he's gonna say. <laughs> yeah, my guess would be like a uh, hell no, but um, or well, knowing Ben, his guess will be much more logical. Of like, I guess if it was a, a really tiny dude, and like, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So we see these we see these orderlies, and then basically the kids break into the ride. Um, like we like we said, we they don't know that Jonah is there. Um, they break into the ride, they get it turned on so that it's able to be on while they're inside of it. Um, they all sit and smoke weed. Um, and then that, this is when Bill tells everyone that he was actually related to the girls that were killed there. Like when all this stuff was going on the way there and they're like kind of telling all these stories about the notorious dark ride. Like this is when Bill tells them like what actually happened. Um, and that he knows what actually happened because those were his cousins that were killed. Um, and then we kind of spend a lot of time just like with these characters and um it's unfortunate like in a normal not a normal in a better slasher movie uh we would be seeing character development here mm-hmm. um like this is when we would be getting to know our characters so when we would that we care when they die um and that's kind of attempted it is kind of attempted here but like the getting to know your characters i'm putting in air quotes right now is kind of just like um like them all just hitting on each other or getting pissed at each other um yeah there's not like much else other than like them kind of it's honestly i feel like so much of this movie is jim just trying to get that one girl to sleep with him Hmm. i mean it works yeah i know um yeah so we spend like quite a bit of time with that before we get to like our first like b said it's a like a prank um it's a fake out um jen and steve wander um into a room and like they realize that uh kathy's corpse is in the chair and her throat is slashed um and they freak out and then we find out that it's all been a ruse they were all in on it um and kathy was trying to get back with with steve uh or get back um against steve and then um they all like argue and this is where we kind of run into that normal Anytime we'd be in like a haunted house movie or any of the like slasher movies where they're at like at like a, a house party, you know, the lights all go out, like they all wander, of course, in different directions. Yeah. And this is like where our action actually starts in the movie. The the everything that sort of happens before this. I mean, we get our orderly kills, we get the girls in the beginning, but you're kind of just waiting at this point. Like again, like Ryan said, usually this is the part of the slashers that I love where it feels like we're watching uh, like a teen movie or, you know, we're just watching like a rom-com or something like that. We kind of dive into like really awesome character development and some relief from all of that fear and gore and tension, um, which they attempt uh, just the, you know, quality of writing and character development just wasn't quite there. So we get um, our first actual kill is like Stephen happens. So this is what I was talking about. Like we think we're going to shift to Stephen sort of being the hero of it. And instead um, they find his body hanging and being used as an attraction in the ride. Uh, We don't actually see him getting killed. Um, When he wanders off, he gets killed the jen and um jim are 
uh, off completely unaware of what's going on. They are like hooking up. Uh, Jen is giving Jim like a blowjob. Um, and the longest blowjob in any <sighs> slasher movie. I was like, what? In a slasher movie, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, not like in any movie, but like in a, in a slasher movie, I don't, like, I was, because I remember I was folding my laundry, like watching it, and I was like, <laughs> there's a lot of this happening. <laughs> I was like, how yeah. much do I have to watch of Jim, like, very much enjoying himself? Like, there's numerous shots that we see of, like, Jonah prepping, kind uh-huh. of surveying the situation, um and like there's a lot of just jim like his like very enthused face um and then you know that good old hilarious classic head bobbing like action that we see and i was like wow this is so so (laughs) mid-aughts like Uh it's ridiculous yeah it felt like just a classic scene which is so funny to say but it really did um Mm -hmm. and then we get the like I don't even know how to describe it. Um, Again, I've seen it before. And so it felt like I knew it's what was going to happen. But you still are just so shocked by it. So um, and the specifics that I'm talking about are that Jen's throat is slit uh, with a machete as she's giving head and you know of course the moment that her blood splatters he he comes he orgasms and it's just like the connection between those two is just and like i just i don't think there's any way i could ever be so into something that i wouldn't notice someone was decapitated in front of me like i just really don't think like you wouldn't sense the presence of a very large man while your dick is out (laughs) i just yeah everything about it like i think i would definitely like notice um i think that's like the romantic aspect of it right that he's just so lost in being (laughs) pleasured by her and just like i would notice when like I don't know, her entire body stops moving and she becomes completely dead weight. Um, and like, you know, like everything else is, I don't know. There's a lot going on here. Um, I am just buzzing with anticipation for how uncomfortable Ben will get talking about this. <laughs> um, like, don't and, you think she would have like clamped down? Like, wouldn't that be just like an instant well, reaction? Yes. I don't know. 100% yes. I mean, someone Intense. punch me in the throat and see what... I feel like, yeah, your mouth would close. I don't know if it's the same as being punched in the throat, but... But yeah, uh, and, and then also, she's decapitated also, and her head slides off, which is really cool. Right. And Jim lives through this, which is mm-hmm. horseshit. He manages to mm-hmm. zip up and get the hell out of there. Uh, Just a little, little blood splatter left on his nether regions. <laughs> we have talked so much about sex and nether regions. Like, like, it's not like some absurd amount, but more than normal on this podcast. Um, <laughs> for first time <laughs> listeners I swear yeah, I don't does... say the word penis this much <laughs> uh, yeah so Jim runs away he knocks himself out um, so he's like still like he that's what how they explain that he's not able to like go warn them what is happening um, and then the rest of them this is when they like uh, you know concurrently happening they find Steve's mutilated corpse 
Um, the girls, we further Scooby-Doo this and the girls go one way and Bill goes the other. Um, and that's when Kathy finds Liz's body, um, who was also killed off screen. Um, we do see her thrown into a wall, but her death is not seen at all. She is killed off screen. Um, and then Reggie is our policeman. Yeah, because mm-hmm. we get um, a, the police show up and just like typical horror fashion. So much of this is just like typical slasher fare. Mm-hmm. The police show up and they are completely useless. Yeah, um, the useless cop trope. Yeah, because Jonah immediately like splits his head in half with a machete um and then this is like where the where really like the the climax of the movie um kathy jumps out she gets into the van she leaves um and while inside we see that um like jim is still inside and and so is bill and and so um jonah is attacking jim and kathy comes back for them and she manages to kill jonah by slamming the van into the ride which um then like pushes jonah up onto this wall of spikes um and it kills him um and then we get this is when we get our big like reveal um and our big reveal is bill um the 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 great hambino from sandlot um is actually jonah's brother um and so he knew like all this was going to be happening so he basically brought them there um and we don't really know why it's kind of inferred like he's like the friend they pick on all the time um so it's just one of those things like b was literally mentioning at the top of the episode of like these are friends who none of them like each other right um yeah so he like lured them there um and so bill while he's telling her this he kills jim finally like jim who has managed to live through till the end of this part of the movie um and the movie ends with a stinger or like a cliffhanger of like we hear the cops kathy's still alive and bill is now wearing jonah's mask yep and that's and that's what sets you up for like it could be a sequel um right but yeah that's dark ride it is very uh there are no complexities here it is one layer (laughs) and it's just that Mm Hmm. yeah i mean it for sure feels like, which I'm not knocking in the least, hey, like these, this, you know, director and these writers or, you know, maybe these writers were like, hey, like we just love slasher movies. Let's like pick some of our favorite tropes and like make a movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the talent and budget behind it this is what we got and you know that's that's totally fine it's just you know at at a different level um it definitely didn't try and do anything new or innovative or like dive into any of the tropes it just kind of you know went like okay dumb cop okay we'll throw a dumb cop in there like you know go through exactly what we go through like what are the tropes of slasher movies and we had a little bit of that with lover's lane um Mm -hmm. where uh last episode too where you just kind of felt like oh my god like they found the list and they just found ways especially with lover's lanes like just found ways to put these tropes in the movie um whether they were like fully fleshed out or not right i think lover's lane was a little different because like lover's lane feels 
less slapdash, I guess you could say. Like, yes, oh, that movie is so. like hectic and all over the place, but this one, and like, I'm sure that you know, After Dark or whoever was producing this Lionsgate or whatever came to, um, you know, our director um, and was like Craig Singer and was like, you have eight eight days to film a movie, right? And, exactly. You know, and so this is what they did. So it just feels, you know, like a very true, like, like you know, by the numbers, um, very formulaic slasher. Um, mm-hmm. So like, and it's definitely one of those ones that like, I think that was popular at this time too, because we're looking, this is like well past the end of the post-screen boom, because, you know, really like we see the, that die out kind of with like Valentine and what, 04? Like that's the last one that really had a, that feel. And like this was in the era of, you know, hostile. And, like, I really wish we had a better phrase for it, but the torture porn era. Mm -hmm. And so it was torture porn or or J-horror, right? That's what we were seeing. And Mm -hmm. so, like, this was 100% feels like a slasher movie that was trying to still appeal to those torture horror or torture porn fans of just, like, this era was known for being, like, kind of dark, gritty, bloody, like, really violent. um, And this is totally in line with that. Yeah, I mean, the revival didn't really happen. So, you know, this this was shot in 2004. Didn't come out for another two years. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that's the year The Grudge came out. You know, exactly. It's very much like, you know, the only slasher we ha- saw came out that year. Um, the only slasher we saw was Seed of Chucky, and we all know how well that did. Um, it, horror was in a very different spot when it came out in november of 2006 it was just hitting where in 2006 we had hills have eyes we had stay alive we had hatchet came out um you know the remake boom was starting when a stranger calls um, right, we were we were about to head into the remake boom. Yeah, we Texas had end. already came out. That came right. out in 04, but the beginning came out. So we were starting like it was just on like the precipice of when the the slasher remake boom was happening. Yeah. Um, B, what's your favorite kill in the movie? Um, I think my favorite kill is probably the attendant in the beginning just because I always love like it's not it feels like the opening kill because we don't see the girls get killed. Right. Um I mean they're children that's to be expected. Um so it kind of feels like our real kickoff of like a test of who these who this killer is. I mean it's always cool to see somebody punch through somebody's body like that's dope. Right. Yep. Do I think it could happen? I hope not. <laughs> I hope there's not a guy out there who can punch through my inside to the flashlight, but fuck. If you're out um, there, I'm I'm a good person. Don't kill me. Um no, I gotta go with you. Uh yeah. I, I agree. Like it's the most impactful kill. Like I'm not gonna like the like the Flacio kill is definitely the most spot on for the era but it's like oh it was like cringy eye rolly mm-hmm. and then like a, a lot of these kills actually happen off screen so um, it's it's a lot of setup which i don't mind i think if you're gonna do it off screen at least then put the dead body in a really cool way and i think for the most part they're successful with that um yeah they definitely incorporate the bodies into the ride like in some really yeah, which cool I fashions enjoy. Mm-hmm. so 100 agree with you there uh there's not really a position for this in the horror landscape. Um, I mean, 
B and I are pretty big slasher fans, and I forgot about this <laughs> until recently, and I've seen it. Um, so this is definitely like one of those like deep cut like completionist movies. Um, you know, like we we were just saying, like in you know the two thousands were a very different era. This these are not the movies that were being looked at, um, and so it kind of just like very much slid under the radar. And has kind of stayed there because those movies haven't really ever been re-released on anything. Um, they go yeah, up and be down interested. on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Right now, uh, currently in the U.S., it's streaming on Prime. Um, if you're listening to this currently, um, and you're in the U.S., you can find it. If you're listening to this in a month, it might not be on there. It's always it's always hard to tell. Um, so you just kind of have to search around for this stuff. Um, I would be interested. Um, I'll put it out when we uh, – on the Twitter sphere uh, in the next week with this episode about if anybody went to the festival. Um, I know mm-hmm. we have um, some listeners and some – people that we know who were heavily involved in horror and older than us so it's very possible they were attending festivals when you know i was in middle school and ryan was in high school um we're definitely on on the young side of the the genre people for sure so i would be interested to see if anybody was at after dark and saw this or if they have like a more memorable experience with this film um, just because of their age and their um, relationship to horror at that time. It was yeah. different for the horror community, for sure. It wasn't as accessible as it is now. Oh, I know, right? It's so easy for everyone to see, like, to at least know what's coming out mm-hmm. now. Um, just, it's just so different. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So we're going to rank this movie. It is our 74th film. Um, if you go to keepscreaming.com slash the dash list, you can find our entire list there. Um, as we met, oh, this is our 75th. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say it, but you know, you all know what I'm thinking. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, as we say in our new intro, um, we take a look at the movies and how much they fit into being like a, a slasher film. It's not based on, you know, how much we liked it. Because obviously there's movies that we love on here that are anywhere from the middle of the list towards the bottom of the list. I mean, Happy Death Day 2 is near the bottom of our list and we both love that movie. Um, so uh, it's very much about like how the movie fits in with the slasher formula and how if it does, then how well it works within there. Um, Man, I mean, it is a very by the number slasher movie. It just doesn't do anything with it. And it doesn't have a final girl. Yeah. And it um, doesn't have it doesn't have what, you know, we've recently kind of discovered is either we have a final girl telling our story or we have a like detective or cop or um person solving the mystery of the who done it guiding us right. through. Um yeah. we have neither of those. Our that story makes me look about here. On our list if you're on it mm-hmm. right around yeah our story is being led by no one honestly right. like mm-hmm. by these teens but we don't really have uh anybody guiding the the sh- the plot along it's it's all kind of happenstance like 
the the story itself is just trying to fit these characters into scenarios, creating scenarios to get them to the places where they want them to go, as opposed right. to like a natural arc of a character leading us to those places, which is a just a massive component of what makes a slasher a slasher is right. a character doing that, whether it's the killer, whether it's a final girl, or whether it's the person trying to solve the mystery. Yeah. Um, man, that almost make, that makes me want to lower it to like this range. Because um, I'm even looking at like, I mean, Blood Rage operates in a similar fashion, but we mm-hmm. do have an actual like final girl. And I feel like... Um, like we have um, a different type of killer. We have a yeah, crazy but we definitely, person, but but we have a history behind them. We have a little because bit we spend so much time with their family too. Yeah, and we um, have like the familiar ties. We have a reason why um, this you know killer is focusing on these people, and we kind of have that. They're at his ride, right? I mean, he's essentially taken ownership of this dark right. it's like it's like jason with camp crystal lake mm-hmm. um, where it's just like hey i don't know but you're in this area and if you're in this area i kill you right i mean we find out he was they were lured there but obviously it's the same same gimmick instead of mm-hmm. um yeah so i almost like that's when it starts falling in this range of like Candyman, deep red nightmare 2 and then like hospital massacre curtains because it actually does like kind of do the same thing hospital massacre and curtains both do which is where they are hospital massacre especially is like very paint by the number slasher movie um but it like kind of ham-fistedly puts a bunch of things in there to fit the tropes mm-hmm. um, yeah it says brennan always like lovingly refers to it as like barely a movie <laughs> <laughs> he's yes. like is it though is it a movie and i'm like well yeah <laughs> I it is. He says, yeah, he says that all the time. He's like, yeah, it's yeah. barely a movie. Yeah. Um, is it though? Yeah. Uh, I miss him. We need to talk to him soon. I um, miss him too. Yeah. So. God, it's hard. I don't know. Where are you it's looking just... at? Because like, it's it's hard to look at something like Deep Red or Candyman because this is where it gets hard, right? And we have to like mm-hmm. really get get into the details of it because like obviously Candyman and Deep Red are way better movies. Mm-hmm. Um. But do they operate as slashers more um, or more effectively? Um, and, you know, like Candyman's kind of hard because we've talked about like all the kind of supernatural aspects of that and everything. Um, but, you know, ultimately still ends up being a slasher movie and we do have like a final girl essentially. Um, and then Deep Red is such like a proto slasher. Um, Who done it mystery solving. Right. I almost still say, like, we're looking at, like, nightmare hospital level here because mm-hmm. because even though we have, like, those true slasher, like, tick marks, it's just missing, like, we've done enough movies now that we have so many movies that do that do and more then still that. have everything uh-huh. else. Yeah, so, right. so even though you're looking at this, you're like, that's kind of low when it's actually doing everything it's supposed to, but then you look up and you're like, well, so are the 45 movies above it and right. deeper. So I think what makes this one a little bit different is that it is doing the things it's supposed to except for the big ones. So it's not so much following the blueprint as it's using slasher tropes in a movie. 
So right. it's more like I'm. This is a horror movie that's taking tropes from the slasher subgenre and throwing it in there to make it a slasher, as opposed to like the actual setup and blueprint of the film. Because um, there's a lot of these like higher up that mit- like don't have a lot of those smaller tropes, like dumb cop and like stuff like that, where that we're seeing in this one, or you know hot girl giving you know sex and drug use and you know a lot of these films like kind of miss out on those exactly what you were saying like what slashers get deemed as from the outside oh it's just teens who are having sex and doing drugs getting killed by a big guy so this movie is what the outside thinks slashers are and it's not – it doesn't really actually follow the blueprint if you think about it. Um, it's not – we're not following a – we're not following the path of any of those three kind of characters to tell the story. We don't right. have any kind of – well, I mean, sh- we do have familiar ties um, related so to like- the flashback. But they're so kind of forced in and yeah. not important to the plot uh, that – I think it's definitely more in, yeah, I mean, I think this hospital massacre curtains, oh, Terra Train. I wonder how many people are mad that this movie's so low. <laughs> and you know, I um, like Terra Train. It's just like, it just doesn't do, I mean. It doesn't operate as a slasher very yeah. well. And there's a lot um, of that we can have fun with, but yeah. Um, the magic I stuff is dope. It's it's the best part, and then it's <laughs> the best like, part of that. Movie. Remake Terror Train, keep the magic in. Like I, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like remake it, keep the magic. It'd be awesome. Get some like really awesome costumes. Do some theme kills with the costumes. It could be so cool. Uh, like on the train setting. I mean the way and like remember when we looked into it, the way they lighted that movie and filmed it was like really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I digress. Somebody, yeah, really somebody does... produced Ryan's Terror Train remake script because yeah. apparently he's already written it. I mean, I would love for I, maybe maybe that'll be the next project. Um, mm. I'm looking like right maybe right above Hospital Massacre, like right like because like Hospital Massacre has a flashback too, but it feels just as like empty handed as this one does. Yeah, uh, no, it has more it has more structure for sure than Hospital Massacre does, which yeah. Hustle Massacre plays it pretty fast and loose, um, which that's another one that I like. Hustle Massacre and Curtains, I actually both had I had fun with both of them, like a lot of fun. Um, they're just like really, really like someone took the loose frameworks and was like fill this in with stuff, and someone was like, "All right, I got an idea." Um, I, th- I think Curtains out of the seventy five films we've covered is like definitely in like is in my top five of films i've discovered because of this podcast i I like genuinely really really like that movie um Um, 100 yeah it's just Uh, so strange but like the right amount of strange for me (laughs) yes it's so weird but like never to the point where like you're kind of it's never like what is happening like when we watch serenity and we're like what the fuck is happening but like in curtains you're kind of just like always like what you're just what there for this? it. Like yeah. it's taking you a lot of places and it was never one that I like felt like, oh my God, where is this going? Or like what's happening? I was just kind of like, all right, take me there. I'm ready. I'm ready to see where we're going. Right. Yeah. I know. I need to give it a, a revisit. Um, 
Cool, so this will be our new number 48. So it'll be 48 on our list of 75 now. That's incredible. This thing's almost two pages. Never never thought I'd get there. Um, yeah, and so that's that's gonna be it for this week. Um, we haven't picked, I'll just you know, I'll tell you guys, we haven't picked what our next movies are. We have um, a list of things that we are like working um, like through that we have kind of selected to get us through the first part of this year. Um, and we do really want to bring some other guests on. Um, you know, we've had Molly Henry in the past, Aaron Drives, Brennan Klein. We've had Brennan twice now. Um, and I think the other two just once each, right? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But we did get B actually, you know, put something out there uh, earlier this year about who might be interested. And we actually got a lot of um, people who want to come on um and some really cool people that want to come up i mean they're all really cool but like um it was just it was fun to see like oh wow i did not expect like this person to want to be on the show and then they're like yeah i want to so we're gonna yes. try to work some of that in there too yeah and i think as long as it works out scheduling wise which i'm working out right now i think our next episode will actually be uh summer party massacre um, Ooh. which I've been waiting to cover. It is he one of my favorite movie. slashers. Um, it is like in my top ten horror movies list. Uh, March is now Women in Horror Month, so I thought yes. it'd be perfect time for yes. us to cover a slasher film that's uh from a female perspective, which we just honestly don't really have very many. Um, yeah. And so we have a few people interested in coming on to talk to us with that. Fortunately, a few amazing people. Most of them are overseas and because of scheduling with between Ryan and me and them and a baby, I couldn't quite hammer it down uh, for this episode. But I, I have a couple other people lined up. So uh, we will announce that soon. I'm 90% positive we'll make it happen for our next episode uh, to come out this March. So stay awesome. tuned for that. We would love to hear from you, and you can find us online at KeepScreaming.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at, at ScreamingCast. And if you haven't yet, please rate, review, and su subscribe to us on iTunes. It helps us grow and snag great new listeners. Thanks for listening, and until next time, keep screaming! Uh, we are back. Uh, so as Ryan and I discussed, uh, we figured this would be a perfect episode for another round of Killbusters. Uh, so it is me, and we are joined by my husband, Ben. And we are going to go over the three kills in this film uh, that are the unlikely, uh, least plausible from Ryan and I's radar that we discussed on the episode that you just listened to. Most of the kills in this movie we don't see. They're off screen. And then we have the bodies that show up later. Um, we're not going to go over those. We're just going to go over the three the three big ones. So we'll start with the kills of our orderlies, our attendants in the psych ward. Uh, we start off with our... Uh, killer Jonah breaking out of his straight jacket. He then picks up a flashlight and punches through the orderly's stomach um, and creates a hole in his body. Uh, what do you think of that kill, Ben? Hi, guys. 
Um, well, first off, if I sound tired, that's because I am. It's past my bedtime. It is. I'm making him stay up late for this. It is currently 9.14. It's way past his bedtime. Um, so the flashlight, <clears throat> the flashlight kill, it is definitely not possible <laughs> for various different reasons. But one, I mean, he is supernatural as far as strength goes. So, you know, anything's possible in that realm, but there is definitely no way a natural human can shove a flashlight through someone's stomach. Right. So, like, if we watch the movie, we're not given any backstory on Jonah whatsoever. We have no idea. But he's obviously modeled after Michael Myers, who, as we know, has strength that cannot really be explained. And, of course, he turns supernatural later for the fact that he just won't fucking die. Um, But... And then they go into that lore itself in the sequels. But all we don't know anything about Jonah, but we can infer that he is just inhumanly strong. 100%. Yeah, definitely. Especially the way he threw, you know, people around like nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, then there's obviously the other parts of it too that kind of make it... Not the, uh, necessarily unrealistic, but just off. Like when the flashlight is through his body it's clean on the other other side where if it was somehow possible to do that there would be blood covering the lands and guts it'd be like the front of his stomach right like all that skin would be the first thing that penetrated the flashlight should be stuck on the other side especially if it created the hole that it showed which again even if it was possible you could shove a flashlight through somebody it wouldn't create a hole like that it would if you pulled it back out it would just seal it kind of like if you see a stab wound Uh and you pull the knife out there's not a hole there your skin Yeah, but then you won't get that really cool shot where you can see the other orderly through the hole in the body. Hollywood for you. It's 99% of their stuff. Yeah. Not to mention you have to go through the spine too, which, you know, good luck. That's not going to happen. Yeah, so, I mean, as we predicted, cool-looking kill. It was both Ryan and I's favorite kill in the movie, but it's just even with, like, an inhumanly strong supernatural guy like that's basically the only way that's ever going to happen so have no fear uh nobody will be punching through you with a flashlight anytime soon um and then let's see our next oh my god i was so excited to talk about this one so this is our really fun uh fellatio kill um it is our killer jonah has a machete and he starts essentially sawing at um i'm forgetting her name uh, at our hitchhiker uh, at her throat with the machete to decapitate her so he's not just slitting her throat it really is the act of slicing through her to decapitate her uh which we see happen uh so let's talk about this one yeah so th- this one, I mean, technically, I guess it's plausible, but a lot of unlikeliness. Like for one, she would obviously, most likely, you know, yank away, do something to catch his attention. Right. On, not in. But She's not as- dying instantly. That's the part that seems so strange about it is that he comes up behind her. He's touching her to the neck and she's, you know, like grabbing his butt uh, or grabbing uh, the guy's butt while Jonah's behind her. 
there's no reaction from her at all. There's no, uh, she doesn't make a noise. There's no body clenching. Her jaw, like my first thought was like, does her jaw not instantly clamp down? Like I get it, they're high on shrooms, right? But that's the part that at first shocked out to me. I'm like, there's no freaking way. And then, I mean, the machete could definitely saw through flesh, no problem, and meat and fat. The only issue I could see is that once it gets to the bone, a machete isn't a saw. It can't really saw through things. If it's sharp enough and it's a good one, maybe, you know, but most likely he would have issues once he got to the bone if he could even get that far. But there are machetes out there that do have serrated edges on the back end for sawing, but I don't think this one does as far Mm-mm. as I can tell. No. I mean, if you look at the machete, you can't see any kind of serrated anything on it. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, it's, I'm sure it's possible, but not in that sense necessarily. It would just probably take a lot longer. A lot, a lot longer. Yeah. yeah. But it is... So, you know, Ben knows a decent amount about machetes, but was slightly nervous. He doesn't know too much about machetes and human bones. <laughs> so he's like, I don't know how far I want to get into Googling. Like, can a machete cut through human bones? I'm like, that's okay. You can just... Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm on the government watch list now. I think we all are. So yeah. And then, you know, of course, our poor lovely survivor, he just hits his head and then to get stabbed later on. But we had to have that for that reveal. Okay, and so then we have our useless cop trope. We have our police officer who comes to save the day. We have our non-final girl who just does the shadiest shit right here. And literally, I mean, we can say she's in shock. Jonah shows up behind the police officer and she's just pointing at him and doesn't say anything. And I mean, it's a solid five seconds. I just scrubbed through it. Five seconds of Jonah. She sees Jonah raising the machete behind this officer. And he, the officer's like, ma'am, like I'm here to help you. And she doesn't fucking say shit to save this guy. It's so frustrating. Uh, and he does not get saved. Jonah takes the machete and slices it through, I mean, most of the head, um, like down to the chin of the police officer. Um, and his head uh, slices in half and unfolds. And then again, we have a similar shot where we can then see another one of the survivors like through the body yeah this one it's obviously different than the i don't know how you want to say the blowjob kill i guess yeah the blowjob kill (laughs) because he was trying to saw her head with, with that one this is a clean swipe which i mean i don't have a whole lot of experience you know, should chop it through people's heads with machetes. But <laughs> my guess is the average person probably wouldn't get more than, you know, an inch or two into the skull before the machete would stop. Right. Like, they might hit, like, in a real world scenario, if our killer is an actual just large man, 
this is possible with a machete to injure somebody, but what you're probably going to reach the skull and crack it, and that's yes, about it. Yes, if you are somehow strong enough to clean cut completely through the head like he did, chances are you would crush the skull, not just completely slice, slice it, it through, like, where like, it's like nice a and pretty. Yeah. yeah, it looks so nice. So yeah, plausible for the amount of strength that we see Jonah have throughout the movie. With, with clean cuts like that, the goal is speed over power basically mm-hmm. and sharpness mm-hmm. of the blade so it cause power can crush things but it can't necessarily slice through things if mm-hmm. that makes sense where you you want speed or something like that which he doesn't really show speed he shows power so yeah and even you know they cut obviously they for you know logistical reasons they don't show the actual slice itself we kind of like cut away for that um a beautiful beautiful uh effects uh, for the actual kill itself and when his head uh sort of falls apart it looks really good um considering but most likely jonah would have just crushed his head and there would have been gobs everywhere and it wouldn't have looked so nice and cinematic uh but is this something you should be worried about from a slasher killer? They're probably not going to be able to do this. Yeah. I mean, you're going to be dead most likely either yeah. way. So. You have severe brain trauma. Yeah. It just won't look as cool. So maybe this is preferable. I think I'd rather die, and this is what my head looks at the end, than die and I just have like this like bloody gouge on the top of my skull. At least you want to go in a cool way. Yeah. So as we suspected... Uh, the kills in the lovely 2006 Dark Ride are highly, highly unlikely. Um, And even if they were able to be done, they wouldn't have looked like this. Uh, Those types of weapons wouldn't have created such clean uh, effects afterwards. So is it possible? Kind of. But not really. Yeah, when it comes to supernatural, anything's possible. Yeah, exactly. You can only fight it so much. So Uh, that is Dark Ride, the kills in this movie. Uh, It's definitely something that makes the film more interesting is the fact that they did take the time to create these cool effects. So I think when we go over other movies that perhaps we can analyze and go probably more practical. That's definitely something that could happen. Um, There's other things in the film backing it up to that they don't need such elaborate, fancy, practical effect kills uh, where this movie really needed that. Uh, This was its saving grace by having a a couple cool kills in this. So that was Dark Ride and... Next time we have questions about the possibilities of her kills, we'll be back.